Welcome to TV Chinwag, where we take one part cheeky talk, two parts witty banter, and dump in a whole heaping spoonful of snark. It's TV Chinwag. Here are your hosts, Ryan and Jules. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 49 of TV Chinwag. My name is Ryan, and with me, as always, is a woman whose dog has panic attacks whenever it's thunder and lightning out. It's Jules. Hey, Jules. Oh, that's a sort of down a note to begin on, but yes, my poor... Yeah, I just feel bad for her. Oh, she does. She has a whole full-on shaking and and panting, and she really doesn't like thunderstorms. It's so funny, isn't it? Uh, And she's actually, I think... Part of it is also related, must be related to falls in barometric pressure because half an hour before it rains, she'll rea- start reacting and, and I can tell that it's going to rain. That's how sensitive That's she is. Our dog used to, um, my wife, anytime she would, my wife, every time she would cook, <laughs> um, if you open the oven door too quickly, all the heat goes up to the ceiling and it sets off the fire alarm. Yeah. So our dog, uh, when he was alive, he used to just flip out like... Anytime the wife would be cooking, he would just start because he knew that sure enough, that smoke alarm was going to go off and just kill his ears. And he would just just panic every time she would cook. So that's why she never cooked. Um, You still panic when she cooks. No. (laughs) Yeah. Especially with like three in the morning, fucking fire alarm starts going off. The neighbors love it. They think it's the greatest thing ever. Uh, there you go. Well, it's not raining here anymore now, so thunderstorm's over. Uh, dog's gone out to do dog things. And we're here to talk TV. Fantastic. <laughs> Have you ever heard of the Gotham Awards? No. Well, the Gotham Awards, it's it's a, a new thing, and I assume Gotham is, you know, probably New York, I'm thinking. Um and it's they've it's been around for twenty. Well, actually, I'm looking at the Gotham now, Independent so Awards. Like yeah, twenty five years they've been around. Um, they nominated some TV shows for groundbreaking television Ooh, this year, did they? and of those were um, Transparent. Yep, Mr. Robot, definitely. Um, uh, 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 Unreal. Oh, for sure. And Jane the Virgin. Yep. Groundbreaking's a strange term. I don't know that any of them broke ground that had not been slightly dug over. But um, all excellent, excellent shows. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, those are, for one year in television, those are some pretty... Oh, yeah. Pretty... uh, uh, Yeah, okay, groundbreaking. Pivotal, um, interesting... um, Genre-bending, genre-creating... Oh, and... Certainly shows. a bun- bunch uh, of, think, if you were going to, yeah. uh, you know, I'd list all of those as um, shows I really, really enjoyed. In fact. Do you do you think they glossed over anything? Um, depends what year they're talking about, but I reckon that they would certainly, I would put um, Transparent, Unreal and Mr. Robot were my three favourite shows probably of the last 12 months. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoyed Jane the Virgin. Um, and what was the other one? Um, Unreal, I think it's oh, okay. at the four. Um, and, and I really enjoyed Jane the Virgin as well, and I think that was that was fantastic. Um, of all of those, it's hard to say. Um, probably, I mean, one of the joining threads would be certainly Transparent and Unreal 
were quite dark comedies. Um, oh, if you had to pick, uh, and Mr. Well, Mr. Robot, was that a comedy in any sense? <laughs> probably. I would no, not probably not. Um, oh, there was. Uh, sorry, there was one more in that list. I, I and I'm sure you're not going to guess what it was. These were under the category of breakthrough series long form. And there's one other one that we reviewed on on this very here Chinwag show. Um, and it's a comedy. Any idea? Mm. There may be a sexy redhead. That's the star. And she may be really funny. Sexy redhead. Really... No, go for it. Give up. Unbreakable Kimmy Oh, Schmidt. of course. Of course. Um, again, a brilliant, brilliant show. Um, mm-hmm. God, there's some... We are at peak TV, as people keep telling me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I have to say I was out at um, brunch this morning. I met up with um, a fangirl I had randomly met on Twitter, who's not even in any fandom I'm in, but... Um, we met up for a coffee, and while we were talking fandom things, and I was talking supernatural, the guy at the next table went, "Supernatural? Is that still on? Oh, should I get back into it?" And I said, "Oh yeah, it's really great. Just had a brilliant episode this week." And he said, "Oh, you know, I don't. I only watch your, you know, TV on the weekends. I haven't got much time." And I'm like, "Well, look, to be honest." <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell anyone in Supernatural fandom I said this, but, you know, there's a million really great shows out there and you might want to, instead of going back to a show that's been on for 11 seasons, um, mm-hmm. there's there's some damn good TV you can watch and, and, and shouldn't miss if you love good stories. Uh, no, I agree. Yeah, I, I think that's important. And, you know, like this list of, of shows here, probably going to get more bang for your buck or your hour, if it were, than going to something in season 11. Uh, and, in, of course, entirely depends on, on what you like to watch. But there's there's a... And it's interesting in that list there, you've got probably... Uh, well, maybe except for Mr. Robot, they're all comedies, really. Four comedies and a... Is Transparent a comedy? I mean, it's funny. Is it a comedy? I think we. I think the new term is... Dra- is Unreal a I comedy? Think the, the new term is dramedy. Is Jane the Virgin a comedy? Uh, yes, no, they're all comedies. I would put them. I would put them all more in a comedy section than I would Orange Is the New Black, which gets classed as a comedy. So, I would say Jane the Virgin and Orange and the New Black are the same level of comedy. Oh no, Jane the Virgin. There's some dark. No, some Jane dark the Virgin's a lot, lot more clearly a comedy than you know than um, I would say Orange Is the Black is. I could not. I would not put Transparent in a comedy section. Okay. It's funny. It's got laugh out loud moments, but a comedy. Oof, Jesus. Yeah, it is. It is tricky. You're right. But th- then maybe that's yeah. the interesting thing that four four out of five of these shows are on yeah. that edge between comedy and drama. They're both uh, yeah. got dark, twisted senses of humour, um, but yeah. are not straight comedies. And they're dramas with a, with something that lifts them out of being a straight drama. So. That's an interesting mm-hmm. rise of this sort of genre of, of show that people have tried to come up with stupid terms like dramedy for. Um, Mr. Robot, mm-hmm. more, more conventionally, uh, in terms of its content, is a, is a drama, although it is, you know, it's, uh, it's certainly uh, 
serialised rather than episodic and presented in a rather different way than most dramas you'll see. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Way more of a head trip. <laughs> well, and, and all these shows are in a way. All of them, I suppose, the groundbreaking thing, they all have something that they're doing, which is not... Di- well, it's not groundbreaking, it's breakthrough series. Okay, whatever that well, means. who knows what the fuck that means. I don't know what that means. But they're all shows that are quite... Dis- I want to say just dis- genre bending, distinguished like so transparent, mm-hmm. uh, being the show of an older person transitioning genders. Mm-hmm. Th- that in terms of its content is is different. Original, um, mm-hmm. unreal. I would say in having a true female antihero is mm-hmm. is different. Jane the Virgin, you could say, well, it's actually not different because, not for number one, it's actually based on a Mexican series anyway, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and it ca- arises out of the genre of telenovelas. So, but it's it, and it's done very similar to previous shows like Veronica Mars, like um, Pushing Daisies, like yeah, I Zombie to some. Mm, some extent, and probably the... It's got a narrator telling, oh, yeah, a, telling a story. Oh, yeah, totally agree you know? with that. The different thing probably is it's a Hispanic-dominated cast. I mean, so mm-hmm. I think that's its different thing there. Uh, Mr. Robot, of course, I think in terms of its probably cinematography and it's playing with form a bit in terms of having the most unreliable narration you've ever met. Yeah, its narrative form for yeah. sure is is very different than what we see, and the way they tell that story. Yeah, they're, definitely the narrative is is skewed. Um, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I I'm not sure what it does differently, except that it does what it does better than most things you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it's it's sort of bound. It's got one leg on the sitcom, one leg on the the cable comedy kind of thing. Yeah. But it just does it so fucking well. Um, mm, no? Yeah. yeah. To me, I, I like if I was to swap something in there, and this is us being the fringe viewers that we are, <laughs> I would say, you know, there's other stuff that could could slot in there. Man Seeking Woman, I think, is a really good option. Um, it certainly wasn't as popular as Kimmy Schmidt, but as far as breakthrough or groundbreaking or different, it's, yep. uh, to me, that fits yep, there. Yep, no. I mean, it had the Tanaka, the tentacle Tanaka. penis monster. So, <laughs> um, I would probably say overall, Kimmy Schmidt felt consi- a more consistent probably than Man Seeking Woman. Um, but you know, it's not. Who cares? We've got both of them. Yeah. No, exactly. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Who cares if they get this award that neither of us heard about until five minutes ago? Exactly. We don't care. But some great stuff. Um, one of the things I love to do in my work, we often have writers that come up from Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, they don't know anyone. They just sort of come up and they're sitting there at the monitors. And I always say to them, oh, writer, whomever writer it is this week, um, our script supervisor here, she was the supervisor on Unreal. And every time without fail, they're like, oh, my God, really? I love that show. It was so good. And our script supervisor goes, really? Really? It was good? Really? <laughs> Does she not think? She's like, I don't know. It was, it was fine. It was a lot of work. You know, there's a lot of people around. You know, trying to keep up with all these like beautiful models with what dress you had what, and you know. <laughs> and everyone's like, No, it was really, really good. She's like, Yeah, I've never seen a single second. <laughs> I love that thing from people who are actually working in the industry is that yeah. different point of 
view that you have of, exactly. of what's being yes. created. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and, every, and all the writers are like, oh my god, I love that show. It was so good. It was so different. It was so fresh. It was so unique. It was so you know a million things. So, um, kind of funny, and uh, you know a lot of our crew worked on that show and oh. stuff. So it was it's pretty great. Yeah. Oh, you, you're there now you suddenly more interesting too. Oh, isn't that neat? <laughs> <laughs> we should have one of them to talk about. That would be fun. Yeah. yeah, maybe I could definitely do Just, that. Well, maybe. Well, maybe. maybe. But anyway, we'll see. Well, let's know. not get we'll, anyone's we'll up. But um, I, I, if you haven't watched Unreal, everyone, go watch Un. Uh, it's it's. And Kimmy Smith and uh, <laughs> Mr. Robot, Robot and. <laughs> well, and the nice thing is that we watched and reviewed all those shows, Ryan. So we have yeah. our finger yes, on the have. pulse. Of the best of TV. Uh, it's because we're what are called tastemakers. It's what we. We watch everything on television. <laughs> <laughs> something oh, we watch so much success. Success via yeah, numbers. Yeah, I think okay. we watch so much TV. Something has to win a, win a fucking award somewhere along the line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, another show that I want to review when we can is um, Project Greenlight, the new oh, series. Right. Project yes, Greenlight. Yes, I haven't caught up with that yet. You'll have to watch that. Maybe we'll do that next week. We can do R- Romeo section and Project Greenlight. That'd be fun. Cool. But today, uh, but this week, let's not get ahead of ourselves, Julesies. What are we doing this week? Well, two uh, very different in form. We've got Fargo season two from the anthology series Fargo, based, of course, on the Coen Brothers movie, um, and Con Manries, which was crowdfunded through Kickstarter by Alan Tudyk of Main of Firefly Flame. Fame, flame, <laughs> Firefly flame. Um, you, um, you have no excuse. You have not had as many drinks as I have. No, no, I have not. Um, no. So what would you like to start with, Ryan? Let's start with the Alan Tudyk um, crowdfunded uh, show called... Con Man. Con Man. In the fall of 2004, a television network foolishly cancelled the epic space show Spectrum. But fans kept Spectrum alive in their imaginations and safe in their shattered hearts. Now, ten years later, an army of fans celebrate the cast and conventions are devoted to the adventure and the mythos that was and always will be Spectrum. Everyone loves Spectrum. I hate Spectrum! I hate it! I hate it! I hate it! I hate it! Well, everyone but Ray nearly. It was a great show. It was the best thing I've ever done. That's the problem. Science fiction is supposed to be about the future. Why are the fans so obsessed with the past? Are you Ray Nearly? No, I am not. Could you sign my magazine? Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, are you famous? They think that you're a spaceship pilot. Better than reality. Damn. I have an audition. Mr. Clint Eastwood. Could you maybe put in a good word for me? All famous people don't know all other famous people, Ray. But yeah, I know them. It said that it was written for a 30-year-old. No, I can play 30. Ray, we're going to switch this up a little bit. Instead of reading Razor Burn, would you please read the role of Marion? Marion? I'm allergic to nuts! 
I don't, I want to quit this. I need you to take your seat, please. Okay, excuse me, sir. Hey, you wouldn't happen to be a sci-fi fan, would you? Fuck off. So just for a bit of background, this was funded through Kickstarter. It raised over, I don't know, certainly over a million dollars. Oh, it was, yeah, like three or four million. Yeah, people could not throw their money at it quick enough. It's 13 episodes, which are all about 10 to 15 minutes in length. Uh, it's available on Vimeo for rent or to buy for 20 bucks or so. Um, came out in well, about a month ago, I think, September. Yeah. Um, has a cast of um, people you will recognise, including Nathan Fillion, Felicia Day, Sean Ma, uh, Leslie Jordan. Um, Samwise Gamgee. <laughs> Uh, Sean Aston, that is. Uh, the premise of this is uh, not too far away from reality in that Alan Tudyk plays an actor who uh, was in a cancelled sci-fi series called Spectrum. So, obviously, heavily based on Firefly, which was cancelled after the episodes by Fox. Uh the star of that show, uh, Jack, was play- who is played by Nathan Fillion, has gone on to become very successful. Uh, Tudyk's character, Ray Neely, not so successful um, during the convention circuit and desperately trying to get uh, any job he can uh, and follows his uh, struggles, uh, yes, to try and get work and uh, find his, his uh, career wherever he lost it, down the back of a couch somewhere. Um, Ryan, what did you think of Conman? I think this is the first online show that we've reviewed. Strictly online, isn't it, Joel? I think this is the first one which could definitely... Internet only. Web series that we've reviewed. Yes, oh yes! This is another broadcast platform for us! (laughs) Yay! Um... Play broadcast platform bingo with TV Chinwag. <laughs> Every time she says broadcast platform, drink, everybody. <laughs> yes, it is. Go for it, Ryan. Um, what did I think of it? I liked it. I watched the whole thing from the start to the end um, of the series in one sitting, essentially. Um, I think it was really well written. I think Alan Tudyk did a great job writing it. If he's the only writer, he did a really fantastic job. He's the only credited writer, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, it's it's acerbic, it's, um, you know, a little dark in places. It's certainly self, uh, self-deprecating. Um, it's It looks great. They shot it wonderfully and, and they got a great cast of characters. It's got an overall arc that you can follow through to the end. I liked it. And I know you're waiting for the but. I, I liked it. I think it was funny and I think it was well done. And I think that, uh, and they should be very proud of themselves. What I didn't like <laughs> is um, I thought it was really kind of rude to the fan base. Especially considering these are the fucking people that paid for this movie. I thought they would <laughs> shed in some pretty poor fucking light, to be honest with you. Um, I thought they were made to look like idiots and dummies and obsessive compulsive fools and not treated with very much respect at all uh jules to be quite honest with you um and this is coming from someone who doesn't have any respect for anyone <laughs> yes, um, i am surprised <laughs> um yeah to me i mean i think definitely you know the 
self-deprecating humor was great and you know especially coming from the eyes of a struggling actor who's who's trying to get more out of life than what he's got i can understand that but to me the smart writer builds the actor's view of the fans into a poor representation of them not the actual representation of Mm. them i.e you have fans who come up and aren't weird slobbering nimwits and he plays them off as as if they are Mm. so to the outside viewer it's like what the fuck is with this guy those people were nice and and happy and friendly and and interesting and he played them off as total slobbering douchebags that's how you write that not have slobbering douchebags come up that all they want is his autograph on things. That to me is is a disservice and, and disrespectful. Um, the interaction between him and the other actors and stuff, like that was all great. That was all fine. Um, Nathan Fillion is a fucking comedy genius, as we all know, <laughs> and uh, delightful to see on scene, and and really plays up his character great. Um, and the Alan Tudyk character, I did end up feeling for and feeling bad for and, and wanting better things for. But the overall arching production representation of the fan base, I thought was a huge letdown. And this is from somebody who doesn't even consider them part of quote unquote fandom. Um, if, if, you know, just to make it clear that I think I'm above those people, um, I don't know. I mean, that's that's my take on it. Maybe maybe I'm off base, Jules. What do you think? Um, I grew to like this more as it went on. I certainly... It's funny, it's called Con Man, but really only the first, I think, four episodes, maybe uh, five episodes are set around the convention. Um, and that was the part I, le- I probably overall liked the least. Um, mm. I agree. Look, I thought there were some running jokes in that particularly that did involve the the fans that really fell flat for me there's a um and and i agree i think it fell into the trap of um using well-worn sort of tropes about fandom and here you had an opportunity where it was being quite specific around as i said it's very uh broadly autobiographical for alan tudyk yet and he's had many many you know, in real life, he does a lot of conventions. He's had a lot to do with the Firefly and we- uh, Joss Whedon, you know, fandom. Yet, it was it, it didn't feel real. It felt like every other, you know, sort of um, lazy portrayal of fandom. Yes. Um, it missed out on, you know, if you... So, being called Con Man, I thought, and being at a convention, we're going to see, you know, what the actor, the guests go through. But I also thought there'd be some... Um, nuance and specificity around what the fans go through. Now, whether you want to mock them or not, that's fine, but this felt lazy. Like, you could have... Uh, it, it, it just didn't feel like it was based on his experience, whereas all the actor stuff was obviously based on his experience. So that mm. was strange to me because it's like, oh, yeah, there's a guy dressed as Darth Vader, and as you said, you know, there's uh, the guy who wants his autograph on everything, and... and Probably Felicia Day's character was slightly, you know... Overzealous. But 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 a little bit, you know, she worked more for me than the rest of it. But the broad jokes that ran through the well, convention... Well, yeah, but you're, you're biased, though. You love Felicia. I love Felicia but Day. But I did laugh out loud when he answered the door and her shirt was half off like his was. I thought that was <laughs> good. Um, 
there were some broad jokes that, again, now this could be purely down to sense of humour. There's a running, there's a joke about how Sean Aston sort of sets him up by using the word retarded in meaning to slow down and then he uses it in a panel and people think he's making fun of intellectually disabled people. That felt, again, a really broad, cheap joke. Like, that's it's certainly not worth the time. There's a whole thing with the wonderful Trisha Helfer about being, she's there to be at a convention <laughs> for women who who adopt baby uh, to, ba- dolls as if they're babies. And, 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 you know, sort of the payoff in that is him relating to his action figure the same way. But there's very broad humour there that I didn't quite... It works on some moments, but then sort of goes nowhere in the end. Like it didn't carry, then carry through to the second half of the episodes. Um, the whole thing with uh, various people finding his manager attractive. I don't know. <laughs> Which it was, was fucking great. I loved his manager, by the way. The, the whole she was about her. I would she be was she was wonderful. And then yeah, that, but she's that, so funny. Um, if yeah. anybody remembers uh, the Austin Powers that played. Uh, uh, Herr Fraulein, yeah. um, Doctor Evil's assistant. That's that's the woman. I'm sorry, I don't yeah. know her name. Mindy Sterling. She's wonderful. She's yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, she's yeah. fantastic. I love and, her. And she was, you know, she was really good in it. I love, I loved it. And when she her whole cosplay thing was yes. hilarious. So, um, yeah. and the fact so that she's I, she's his um, his booking agent booking for age. conventions only. Yeah. Yes. Which is actually a thing, by the way. Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> like, yeah, it is actually a thing. Um, I should get one of those. You should get. You should get one yeah. of those. Yeah. I'm sure, there's lots of conventions would love Tons. to have you. Are you kidding me? Tons. Um, but I do. I do. The fan stuff, as you say, particularly given this was crowdfunded, felt strained. As I said, lazy and like something you would have written about fans twenty years ago. Um, now, maybe I've been spoilt uh, by some things like trailer fans on Supernatural or the movie Paul with um, Simon Pegg and, right. and Nick Frost, which which was a, you know, and there's been other, some other shows as well, which actually is specific to fans and real, not act, not broad stereotypes that, as yeah. I say, could fit into any fandom or anything. The, it, it didn't. I don't think it exploited the rich material you've got at conventions. You know, you get there's a whole lot of shtick there around, you know, just being in queues for hours that, right, you know, yeah. really didn't play out in the way that it could. So that that I was certainly feeling a bit lukewarm at the beginning. The other thing that I was feeling um, and I felt throughout the whole thing was actually really sad for the lead character. Um I've been around enough actors and conventions to know that, you know, there are a lot of actors who, you know, basically make their living out of going to conventions, but also, and it's one of the few places that they get, you know, some validation and fame, but also that does often lead to them having just the the, the whole career of acting is so unpredictable and, you know, it's, it's a... It's, you know, a harsh world to live in where you're continually getting rejected and you don't know why the person next to you gets roles and you don't. And, you know, a lot of actors do have drug and alcohol problems. So, right. uh, and I've seen I've seen actors at conventions who are displaying their drug and alcohol problems in yeah. a very um, uh, sad way. Um, I was at a, um, a convention last year where Nicholas Brendan, who's had since some very well-publicised... Uh, 
encounters with the law and rehab um, and just to see someone like that and thinking, wow, you, know, you, you should be somewhere who, getting... Who was that? Nicholas Brendan, who was uh, Xander in Buffy series. Okay. And he's, uh, over the last year, a number of times uh, been in the news for um, being arrested on DUIs mm, and mm-hmm, thrown out mm-hmm. of uh, hotels because he's wrecked hotels and, and assaulting people. And he's, he's got obviously got um, a substance issues and sure. I saw him at a convention in that state and it was really uh, sad. It was like, is. Um, this is not the place for you to be, yet it's probably one of the few places where you get to You can make a buck. Well, and you get to feel you get to make a buck, and you get to feel you're worth something. So mm-hmm. all that feeling came up for me because that's very mm-hmm. much the Alan Tudyk character. Um, I love the character. He's also a bit but of a But there was dick, no redemption. So he, that, I, I think that was one of the problems yeah. for me. There was no fucking redemption for the portrayal of fandoms that way. You know what I mean? Like, and that's why I think the smarter writer, if I can be so bold, would have been to put the audience on the side of the audience, uh, yes. on the side of the fandom, uh, versus on the side of the actor. And I very much thought, given that... And I think he tried to do that, sorry to interrupt, I think he tried to do that with <coughs> having Samwise. <coughs> yes. Um, where he's like, what, what's wrong with you, man? Yeah, let's take some pictures, girls, and let's get our picture taken, and he has fun with it, and he, he, he loves it, but to me, that should have carried through, and I really felt it was kind of exploitive. Well, he he could have been the the yes the sort of Gandalf to <laughs> to guide to guide uh, the Alan Tudyk character through this and to see that he could get you know strength and and some enjoyment and everything out. I, I thought Sean Astin was brilliant, by the way. I yes, he was. he was. Yes, he was. Very very good. It was, and I'm not going to say confusing, but it, it was interesting because there were famous actors playing characters and famous actors playing themselves. So right. that was a little bit confusing sometimes. Yes. Um, <laughs> But yeah, and at the end of it, there isn't. Uh, it's quite um, pessimistic, really. Um, that he, uh, you know, that really there is no, you know, happy ending for him. There's no redemption. There's, you know, <laughs> you 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 don't feel that he's got much future to look forward to and that's mm-hmm. sort of I, I, when it finished I was sort of hitting the button for the next episode and I'm like mm-hmm. that's it like right. it ends there <laughs> um, ends in a, a bit of a cliffhanger as to uh, what's going to happen next which was interesting you know it's an interesting storyline I, I like where they took that okay cool let's see that but to, to get away from the cons defeats the purpose of a show called Con Men and Con yes Men. that's what I thought and I thought there'd be a lot of people who did think it was going to and if they had have maybe had a and again you know god I'm hardly someone to want happy endings but you know the final episode could have been them at Comic Con you know sort mm-hmm. of the the heroes return um, mm-hmm. and of course the panel for this series at Comic Con was huge and they could have ended with footage of that them sort of like and him embracing mm-hmm. you know a fandom and he's found his way back even though he didn't think it was through the, the, the traditional way and how, you know, what he would would have originally judged as success. So mm-hmm. it felt like the arc, given that this is, as far as we know, a one-off web series um, and was made as such, that it it uh, it didn't feel that it it resolved in a way that was was either not cliffhanging enough. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was more that it left me hanging than it left me cliffhanging. Mm-hmm. 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 
Uh, mm, mm. Mm. I was okay with it. I was I was happy with the ending there. I, I mean that to me. What what else do you really need to say about that? It's gonna. I don't want to spoil it for people, but yeah, I'm I'm okay with it. I would have liked. Yeah, I well, I would have liked to have seen what happens next in terms of. Either it's a success, or even if you just see him back on the convention circuit doing the same old thing again, whether he's just as miserable or he's happier, it doesn't really matter. It just felt right. a little unresolved to me, which yeah. is different. Which is different than cliffhanging, in that it didn't end with a <gasps> "What's going to happen next?" sort of thing. It en- ended more with a "This is going to happen next," but. I didn't. Where did his character go over thirteen episodes? I don't feel his character actually went anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I agree. I don't think he grew. I think he. I don't even know if he devolved. He, he just sort of stayed where he was, yeah. and was not happy. Even at the end with the cliffhanger, was still not happy or, or, or felt fulfilled. Which okay, I get that. That's part of him. He's a sad sack. He's never gonna be happy with what he has. But we need to get to that point when it. I think it starts making sense, or at least us as the audience sees it making sense, and maybe he mm-hmm. takes a while to catch up. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had a magic ball and you were the executive producer here, what would you have changed? How would you have made this... I don't want to say better, because I don't want people to think I didn't enjoy it. I watched the whole fucking thing in one sitting, so obviously I enjoyed <laughs> it enough. That granted, the episodes are only 12 minutes long or something, but... Um... But still. Well, you know, without making it into an entirely different show, you could keep the whole thing. I would think someone else could have a look over some of the humour, but that could just be my personal taste. Well, it, and if it's one writer, you know, I, I can't fault that. I mean, a guy can only be so funny, you know. Sure, sure. And I, I'm I'm really open to saying, you know, because as you, if anyone's listened to this show before knows, you know, something can be good. <laughs> Just because I don't find it funny, I don't think it's bad. Oh, I thought you were going to say, if somebody's listened to the show, you know I'm not funny. <laughs> no, Ryan, do you think I'm not funny? Eh, you have your moments. <laughs> um, but I do think, I think it's biggest missed opportunity, which we saw because he plays on so much of his, uh, you know, own experiences in the writing of being an actor who is a C grade, What I don't know how much Alan Tudyk's worked since. Uh, <laughs> I don't know yeah. either. Um, since Firefly and the odd Whedon project here and there. That should have been on the fan side of things. I think calling it con man, uh, which obviously plays into the idea that he feels he's a con man, that he's not really, you know, worthy of, of getting jobs and, and that he's people think he's something he's not. That's a, a line yeah. Sean Astin says, you know, don't be who you are, be who they want you to be. Right. Um, but I do think, you know, I will agree that certainly the, the portrayal of fandom... Uh, was a real missed opportunity, the portrayal of conventions. And as I said, I'm not asking for rose-coloured glasses. Um, Anyone who knows the history of portrayal of fans on on Supernatural, all of which I think are wonderful, I'm happy for us to be mocked because we are crazy. Um, But do it specifically. Like, Mm -hmm. find the specific things. Find the people, like, you know, delve into real things that happen at conventions. As I said, like people sleeping out overnight to get an action figure mm-hmm. or like get into more of the specifics of that or create specific characters right, but, if, but if you're going to do that do it do it with a, a touch to the nose like yes those characters those people stayed up all night but they knew that what they were doing was crazy 
Yeah, they weren't no, doing exactly. it because they didn't know it was a crazy thing to do. They're like, "Oh fuck it, we're going in, we're going in hard, everybody. Let's and, well, we're camping exactly. overnight. And, and, it's going to be an adventure." That's and the, thing, the fandom yeah. that I've seen at least, and show the payoff that for those people yes. that is a wonderful thing. And the contrast could be, you know, here you've got these fans who who pay their fifty bucks to go to the convention and stand in queues or everything. They walk away being blissfully happy. He gets paid to be there and he's walking away being miserable. So that could be your comparison. And as you said, if he, he, how he sees fans is a different thing. But if, if we, the audience, see, well, actually, they're having a brilliant time, no, no matter how he wants to judge them, um, that's, that's a different thing altogether. And, yeah, I, 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 I haven't – I looked through some interviews and that and haven't really heard – didn't see much about people talking about the portrayal of fandom in it, and I don't know. Uh, in fact, didn't see really any critical reviews of it, and uh, I found that interesting. I thought um, I thought I would have seen something, and uh, yeah. I think there's a bit of a there again is a bit of a, a Whedon-esque glow around things that people are, as a whole. Will, well, the fact that they got all the millions of dollars to make it says a lot, but yeah, I'd be interested to know what a lot of those people who backed it thought of it. I would too, considering that that was those people's dollars that were used to to, to do that. I don't know. I, I, I hope going forward it becomes... Obviously the character fails. Uh, I don't want to ruin it, but he fails and goes back on the circuit and starts realizing that what he thought he saw in fandom is a lot bigger and a lot broader and it's his fault for being a dumbass that he didn't look closer. Hmm. Um, but we're not going to get that, so there you go. Unless he makes another series, and I, there hasn't been any... Um, oh, they're not making season two? I haven't heard any mention of that, no. Oh, I would I would only assume they will. I, I just assumed that he was already working on it. No. Nope. Well, nope, there that's... you go. <laughs> um, interesting, and, and not bad, and fun to watch, and... I wouldn't. I wouldn't shy anyone away from it. It's oh just, no! Look, it's it's twenty bucks on. on there's still a lot of really great humor. Like the whole Leslie Jordan stuff was fucking hilarious. This tiny little short gay guy that is playing in, a guy pretending in the to be gay. Of the show, yeah, he tells he tells um, him that no, no, I'm not really gay. I just play gay so that I can tell one of those really straight women from the south that oh well maybe I I'm not gay and maybe you're <laughs> going to be the one to help me straighten out and then I give him the I slip him the big one. <laughs> you do a very good Leslie Jordan, right? <laughs> I had no idea. Good. <laughs> um, look, there are great performances, as you said, um, Nathan Fillion. I mean, it it just shows how he should do a lot more real comedy. comedy. I mean, yes, I know Castle yes. has has comedy in it, but um, and he's he's playing um, you know the 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 typical douchey actor who's mm-hmm. uh, you know he's he's always inviting people over for things and then he's never there and mm-hmm. um, flying in his sushi 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 chef. That's hard to say, <laughs> um, and and he's great. That's that's really well done. I, I liked Felicia as the over enthusiastic, uh, you know, sort of volunteer handler, yeah. handler because yeah. she's she's portrayed as you know she's competent at what she does. That's at least right. we get to see she's over. You know, she might be over enthusiastic and and she's dressing like the star and everything, but we get to see that she does what she's meant to do really really well. Um, and yes, I will watch Felicia Day and anything. Mm. Um, now, interesting story about another series about conventions the day mm. the day the kickstarter for this um 
I'm gonna grab a drink. You keep talking. I know where you're gonna say. <laughs> I know where you're going with this. I'm gonna step away. Get me one too. Um, so this Kickstarter was announced uh, back in March this year, and unbeknownst to anyone except themselves. Uh, Richard Spate and Rob Benedict, who are well known for both appearing on Supernatural and being the hosts on the Supernatural convention circuit, had been planning their own fundraiser for a show uh, which is now called, I'm not sure what it was originally called, but it's now called Kings of Con. Right. Um, I can only imagine what a kick in the nuts it must have felt oh, when <laughs> uh, people who are substantially more broadly and well-known than them, announced a web series about... Yeah. Uh, but basically sounds broadly, you know, oh, it's about being actors at conventions, which is sort of what Kings of Con is about. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> nevertheless, uh, they, uh, Richard and Rob, did go forward. And as they said, it was actually the uh, push they needed to get their crowdfunding up and started. And they did raise over 200 grand, which oh, I think was, was still great. pretty good. Um, I think they're still signing T-shirts from that. <laughs> uh, we've seen a couple of, a, I think, a 10-minute clip from it so far. Um, the difference uh, the difference is that theirs is a scripted comedy as well, but a lot of it has been filmed at Supernatural conventions. So the scripted parts of it have been filmed literally in the green room and behind the scenes at the convention, plus they've used a lot of actual footage from the convention. So you will see uh, karaoke at the convention and all the fans and then it'll cut to a scripted part backstage. And again, um, uh, Rich and Rob play and the other people from the Supernatural Convention circuit play versions of themselves. Mm -hmm. um, it's not up for me to say how close or far away from reality any of those versions are. But you have people like Jensen Ackles and Jared Padalecki appearing as the, the douchebag stars who, you know, don't want anyone drinking the water out of their green room. And um, anyway, I'm not sure when that's going to be launched. But again, it will be interesting to see another portrayal of uh, fan convention experience on um, on a web series. I'm really excited to see. I mean, I love these guys. They're You and I, we've interacted with them before, been to the conventions and, and seen them. They're they're wonderful. They're yep. sweet, genuine, lovely human beings who, you know, Rob obviously um, is been around for a long time in the fandom, and so is Rich. Uh, Rob directed an episode of Supernatural this year, so Richard. I mean, he knows what he's doing. Richard he's, he's, did. Oh, sorry, Richard did. Yeah, Rob. Uh, yeah, Richard. Richard Spate. Yep. R Rob did voice uh, this season, but it was pre-recorded. <laughs> um. Uh, and so, yes, no, I'm, I'm really excited to see them. I'm really excited to see what they do. I think it'll be hilarious. The fandom is so supportive, and these guys will do it right. These, uh, yeah. This is, you know, I have no concerns whatsoever that these guys will shed cast shade on the fandom oh no 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 i don't i don't feel that at all uh, i think it's also it, you know it's a different story um it, you know it's not parallel to the con man from from what i know about it um so yeah no i will be interested to see it and i hope we we get some dates soon on when that might be um can you send them an email and find out please okay well you should tweet them i'll tweet them okay <laughs> <laughs> we'll both tell them because we want to because we want to review we want to review we want an podcast. advanced copy to to review 
That would be fine. I don't see a problem with that. Richard Rob, hurry up and get on that, please. Yes, um, but yes. I am. I am really looking, really looking forward to that. From the clip I've seen, it was already hilarious. These two guys work together on the convention circuit all the time and um, are actually both incredible comedy performers. So um, I'm, I'm just looking forward to getting to see them do anything. Um, so moving on from that to something that I don't even know what we call Fargo, um, dramedy. <laughs> um, not really. Cohen-esque. Cohen well, this is a deal. Hank's thinking botched robbery. Oh, sure. That's how it starts, with something small, like a break-in at the Watergate Hotel. But this thing's only getting bigger. G-53. Judge, huh? So less likely a robbery got bad, more likely a judge-specific beef. Mm-hmm. Judge Munt. <laughs> Which brings us to who shot her, and where'd he go? Hun, don't. There's a man in the... <laughs> Everything okay here, Mom? Your son's wanted in connection with three murders. And? Get him out of here. Where's your little brother? Who knows with that kid, probably neck deep in some pussy. So I'm getting excited about that seminar. The witch? Life spring. Everybody's doing it. Got us a room at the Sheraton. I don't know. We're saving up right now so I can buy the butcher shop. We got a plan, you know? The word we is a castle hun with a moat and a drawbridge. Don't be a prisoner of we. Find him. Where's my brother? Are you listening to me? Is he listening to me? He cut off his ears. Dead, I think. I want to be the best me I can be. We're very friendly people. I'm not afraid of a war. Watch your toes now. I got a nephew with a palsy arm. She's tough, but, you know, a girl. I'll give you a kiss. <laughs> I am not a crook. You just described the state of Minnesota. Isn't that a minor miracle? That two men could stand on a lonely road and talk. While all around them, people were losing their mind. No! There's a shoe in that tree. Suppose we ought to get that down. It's certainly Cohen-esque. So last season, the unthinkable was done in that someone turned up and said, I'm going to do a TV series based on the movie Fargo, the much-loved, much-lauded Academy Award-winning series from the mid-90s by the Coen brothers of Fargo. Um, I'm going to make a TV series. And I think there was a lot of apprehension out there about, well, it's either just going to be a rip-off or it's just it's going to be badly done. Uh I think we both loved it quite a lot. Yeah, I sure did. I think it was probably my number one show last year. I don't know if I'm... Well, we can go back. I, I think I said Red Road was my favorite show. Um, but I, I don't know if I love True Detective less now because I've seen season two. <laughs> or if I liked Fargo. I think I liked Fargo a little bit more than True Detective last season. I think Fargo, certainly for me, and I love true detective one but true detective by the end of the final episode it was like that was a great experience 
and then it was sort of gone. Whereas mm. Fargo, I think, proved to have more depth through it. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe that's because the characters, it had more likeable characters. <laughs> Some of them mm-hmm. were very dislikable. Um, but it just felt it had, you know, there you could dig down in Fargo. Whereas True Detective, I felt by the end of it, um, while I'd enjoyed it, it didn't stay with me. And maybe that's why I was hoping for like a repeat in, in season two where I could get that taste again. Whereas with Fargo, I felt if there was never another season two, I'd go back and watch it again and again. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there that's, were, isn't that funny? Yeah, that's absolutely true. Where I couldn't be bothered right now to go back and watch True Detective season one again. Although, well, well you know, and although maybe. But... No, no, I, I actually watched the first two episodes of uh, Fargo on the plane. I was like, God damn it, I love this show. It's so good. So just just so people know, uh, so season one was um, set about five years ago or so. Or was it ten years ago uh, in, um, in Fargo? Uh, oh, yeah, in, close to 20 years ago, yeah. No, no, the original, the first season was set oh, in like season. 2006 yeah. oh, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. Um, in the, the, the main, the protagonist in that show is uh, a deputy called Molly Solverson and um, and a, another a detective from another town and, and they get involved in solving some murders, blah, blah, blah. Uh, her father is present in, uh, in the season and we find out that he also used to be a police officer but had retired, and he makes an allusion at some point to a uh, a, a terrible uh, cr- incident. incident that he was involved with, where there were lots of dead bodies. The second season goes back to 1979 when he's a um, a state trooper. So that's her f- father, um, Lou Solverson. Uh, Molly from the first season is a young girl of I don't know seven or so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, her mother's dying of cancer and um, they're in a nearby town and shit goes down. That, does that sum it up mm-hmm. well? So Sounds we're set, right. set in 1979 and how are you finding season two? I love it. I think it's great. I think it's just as good as the first season. Yeah, Close. It's a bigger story this season. I think there's more players involved. Yeah. Um, Instead of just following two people last season, they're following about three or four different stories now. And I just listened to a podcast, actually, and I want to plug it because it was great. And uh, Noah Hawley, the showrunner uh, and creator of this show, um, was on it. And I'm looking it up. That's why it sounds like I'm stalling. It's because I'm stalling, and it was the Andy Greenwald podcast. Is okay. What it was. So if you go to Andy Greenwald's podcast, um, which... By the way, he has had some really great guests on, and I meant to tell you, he had um, um, the Mr. Robot uh, creator, uh, Sam Ishmael, on yeah. there as oh, well. Oh, wow. And, they were talking. Um, and, and good talks. Really, really well done. So totally worth checking out. Um, and so Noah Holly on this one, you know, he talked about creating it, making it bigger, but still in the same world and, and changing it. Um, very interesting. He's very hands-on as a, a showrunner. Like he even picks like the background cast by <laughs> hand uh, at the beginning of the season, going through like a thousand photos. Like yeah, this one, not this one, this one. Um, I appreciate that stuff. I appreciate it when a showrunner gets really in depth with look, feel, uh, 
production, how things work. Um, Noah Hawley directed the second episode this season, uh, which was a fantastic episode as well. Um, And and really has a great eye, great vision, and is bringing it to life. Uh, He said that the... um, the whole production is obviously takes place in uh, is filmed in uh, Calgary, Alberta, uh, right next door to BC here, um, and obviously they shoot in the winter. So I've worked with a few people that worked on <gasps> season two, and said, uh, yeah, not uh, not the nope. best show to work on oh. because you're outdoors a lot in the cold. <gasps> oh, you would be. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, look, I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying this. It has got a stunning cast, and again, that was something that really um, was. Well, uh, I wouldn't say st- I can't. I wouldn't say stunning cast. I would say a very bespoke cast, like a very hand-picked, sure. curated cast. Okay, no, no, that's a good way of putting it because they're not all necessarily in roles that you would. They're not all huge stars, but they're very good at what they Ex- do. That's, that's again, and for example, Ted Danson plays the, um, uh, what would you say, the, the elder, the elder, elder sheriff. sheriff in the, uh, sort of the senior sheriff uh, in, in, in the story. Um, I've never been. Which, by the way, didn't know it was Ted Danson until like one and a half episodes <laughs> in. How dumb am I? Oh, my God, this guy's good. This, this white haired guy with the white beard, he's good. Oh, my God. Yeah. Ted fucking dancing. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, and not some not a role I would have. Uh, uh, not that I think I've seen no. him in anything since Cheers. But um, has he been in anything? Well, you were a big Becker fan, weren't you? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you were a big CSI fan there a few seasons ago. Oh, that's right. He was on that, like everyone else mm-hmm. was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and this time playing. So we had. Um, Oh, God, I've gone totally blank on who played him in the first season. Uh, Keith Carradine played Lou Solverson. Right. And then as the um, younger uh, Lou Solverson, we have Patrick Wilson, who um, I mainly know from horror movies because um, oh, okay. he's been in both the Insidious movies and The Conjuring Um so that's oh. what I happen to know him from. Okay, um, I'll take your word for that. <laughs> but he's also apparently a... Um, a Broadway star. So there you go. Oh, cool. He's a great actor. Yeah. And God, he's really he's he's really playing it well. <gasps> like um the Keith Carradine or Keith Carradine? No. Yeah. Uh, is it Keith Carradine? Yeah. yeah. Uh totally pulling that off. Like you can definitely see a lot of that mannerisms and stuff coming through. I thought he, I think he was doing a great job. And look really like again it. the writing uh of these characters because here you've got you know, oh, you've got the lead detective. I mean, you know, we've seen so many iterations of, of you know, the lead detective on, on these sort of shows. But, you know, again, the characters are just so well drawn to be more... And complex not in the, oh, my God, they've got a lot of shit going on in their life way, but complex in they actually feel like people. They've got nuance there you know there's a sense of humor but he's serious about his job and he loves his family but you know it just it's hard to describe but you actually as i did in the first season even with the sort of you know and there's some really extreme characters let's not you know this is you know this has got coen brothers dna in it the 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 Mm -hmm. series so you have some uh, and particularly the the baddies always have some you know there's some fucking extreme characters there mm-hmm, yeah but um 
and in and the the um, crime family, the local crime family, the Gearhearts, have got um, uh, Donovan. What's his name from Burn Notice? Is why can't I think of his first name? I don't know. Who does he play? He plays the elder Gearhart brother. Um, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Donovan, who was in Burn Note. So he, and then oh, there's also okay. Australian actor Angus Sampson, who's been really blazing at the States the last couple of years. He plays Bear, the one with the big beard. Mm-hmm. He's great. He's, he's, he's just wonderful. Um, and um, <coughs> Gene Smart plays the, the matriarch in, in that family. Um, they're all, again, they're nuanced, but in a dark fucking way. <laughs> and, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, Noah, Noah Hawley does evil really well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like his evil always feels scary because it's un- like it's not predictable. Like, there's always that, and that was in the first season, and you never knew who was going to die because his evil can just kill the person you least expect. Uh, yes, yes, and it's so, so great. I mean, it's just so just sitting there waiting to pounce at any second, or not. You know, yeah. there's nothing to stop him from going into a scene and the tension rises, 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 and then, nope, we get out of there. So yeah, And nothing ever you happens. Have a, there's a wonderful confrontation between um, the elder detective played by Ted Danson and um, the evil bastards uh, who have come in from, is it Kansas City, who want to um, take yeah, over the local yeah, operation? Like that, yeah. And they just have this verbal interaction. He stops them in their car... There's the guy from Kansas City and his two henchmen, and it's a civil conversation, and the tension is fucking off the wall because you're thinking at any moment shit's going down and nothing happens. Yeah. And that's a spoiler, but yeah. I just have to say that because it's just so well done that they just have this, and the and the fact that the way. Ted Danson's character reacts to that. Like, he knows what a knife edge he's been on, even though he plays right. it so, you know, country cop laid back during it. It's just, you know, both the writing and the performances to make a, a quiet scene like that as nail-biting as it is. It's just mm-hmm. just fantastic. You know, what, what <coughs> blows me away with this show, it's like, okay, we need a housewife. Um, it needs to be a very layered character between you know evil conniving killer and you know goody two shoes housewife and all these other things who should we get oh let's get Kirsten Dunst I mean the perfect casting and that's the thing about the show it does have perfect fucking casting and she again as you say you've got this layered character who's uh, oh um, you know you can't find a category to to fit her into really the character because she's crosses over all those things you just described and Kirsten Dunst plays all those layers of it so well and so believably it's um yeah she's right. the and the last thing that she was in that was any of any real note was what Spider-Man 3 in 2007 uh she's uh, an anchor man too and then just you know just weird stuff that you don't really even know of but then who do you cast? Oh, yeah, let's get her. And she fucking kills. Oh, she's amazing. She kills it. Amazing. Um, Jesse Plemons, I have a, a, a huge crush on this guy. This guy is Ugh. really fucking good. He's so 
Good. If you remember Breaking Bad, he was that really creepy guy. What was his name? Um, oh, that yes. came along at the end. Uh, I'll just IMDb him here. Um, you know, he is just so Todd. Good Todd. And, he was Todd. Just, Todd. Right. He was creepy, um, red-haired. But Todd, he was like that. Um, um, that killed he the was kid. that wonderful. The, the wonderful thing about his character was he he was all again quiet and unassuming and almost felt like he wouldn't hurt a fly right up until he fucking killed you. <laughs> right, exactly. Like he was so, so he was such nonchalant bad. And there was no swagger yes. about him or you know, he was the boy next door uh, which he had played, of course, on Friday Night Lights. So he played Landry ah. for, for all of Friday Night Lights and was again a much he was, you know, much loved character on that show, but he really was playing the um, the boy next door sort of character on that show, and then he went on to be really on Breaking Bad. Uh, and here again, he's playing the sort of oh, again, the writing is just so good. But here you've got a character who's sort of a victim, which is very again Cohen esque as well. Bad shit just pulls him in. And it's not really because he's gone out looking for it, or he's uh, he's got a he's got agency in seeking it. It happens to him, and then he makes a series of decisions that dig the hole deeper and deeper through good intentions, like right. supporting his wife, who happens yes. to have accidentally sort of killed someone. So, right. <laughs> um, I mean, Jesse Plemons. Okay, just to tell you the kind of year he's had. He's been in. Black Mass, which is a Johnny Depp movie. Bridge of Spies, which is a Tom Hanks movie. Oh, and he's one of the leads in Fargo, one of yeah. the biggest shows on cable. So he's had a good year. Not bad for a ginger. Um, <laughs> Not bad for a ginger. <laughs> um, but he's great in it because, he, again, you know, the casting is perfect because he needs to be, he need, you know, this character has strength, but he's also sort of a victim. You know, it's, it's right. there, and, and he and Kirsten Dunst are just... Oh, wonderful, wonderful together. And, you know, I like the fact that... Um, so we have young Molly Solverson, who, of course, is the, you know, the hero, really, in Fargo 1. Um, and we get to see a bit of her early life. So if you have watched Fargo 1, there's some payoff there about seeing mm -hmm. her mother, who, of course, you know, we knew... We know is dying of cancer. That's in the opening of the episode. Um but she's she's a smart woman, um, and we you know you can sort of see where Molly gets her her smarts and her integrity from from her parents. Um, mm -hmm. It's yeah, I'm I'm loving it. It's like it's almost like I want to. It's a, a show I need to watch with no distractions because I want to soak it all in. Right. Yes, exactly. It's one of those things you just sort of watch every little every little beat. Every beat counts. They're not doing anything by accident. Every little thing has a beat that you're supposed to see. That's going to add up to something later on, which you don't see a lot of in detective movies anymore. No, and that's... That seemed like something that you would see a lot in the 70s. Like, you better be watching because every little box needs to be checked. And then you'll be like, oh, now I get where we yeah. are. We don't see that very often anymore. No, and there's lot, lots of this here. Um, now, I do know that um, TV writer and friend of ours, Bob Behrens, made a comment on Twitter the other day that he... Friend of the friend show. Friend of the show has been on TV Chinwag, <laughs> and we will get him back. Right. Um, he, and not really as, as a criticism, but an observation, and that he felt the 1979 time period was done in a slightly more self-conscious way than 
the first season, which admittedly was only set sort of 10 years previous to current time. Mm -hmm. Have you felt that, Brian? I don't know what that means. Well, I think, and I haven't had a chance to talk to him about it. What I think it means, there's certainly more uh, references to things that are emblematic of 1979. Politics is probably the most um, notable one. So there's a lot more mention and... Not really a spoiler, it is going to feature Ronald Reagan later in the season because he's touring through the mid... Well, I didn't know that. Oh, well, it was in all the pre-publicity, so... Jesus Christ, <laughs> No, now, now I don't have to fucking watch the rest of the show. <laughs> Bruce Campbell's playing Ronald Reagan. Um, oh, really? Yeah. That's funny. That's <laughs> uh, ironic. Um, so, I don't... Groovy Bruce? What? Yes. Groovy Bruce? Yeah, Groovy Bruce. Um... When he's not making Ash and the Evil Dead. Obviously, he's already filmed this. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to tweet him and ask him. But I think there has been a bit more, um, and maybe there's been more commentary around. So the um, Kirsten Dunst character works alongside a woman who's trying to get her involved in uh, one of those sort of self-help, est type, uh, you know, self-actualization course things that's very 1979 unfortunately probably also 2015 but um it's it's very of that time as well so maybe well that's what bob was reflecting on that there's a few things that um a bit more obvious and that might just be because it's in 1979 whereas the first series in 2010 the differences are less obvious if you like obviously people aren't i mean the things that aren't commented on but are obvious are that things, you know, people aren't using mobile phones, etc. So, um, which I always mm-hmm. love. I always love going back to, um, I think, the these, <laughs> d- the, what? Oh, I was just, I was actually literally thinking this the other night watching Supernatural. Like, what the fuck did, like, crime shows do before cell phones? Like, how did they ever solve any goddamn crime? Oh, the internet. How did anybody get any information at the last minute? <laughs> <laughs> like right when you're about to arrest someone, you get the phone call. No, no, it's over here. And then you... <laughs> well, I, you know, and that is something. And, and you know, I've, I've watched a few. Um, there's a wonderful series called Bletchley Circle, which is set in the fifties. Yeah. I don't, have you seen that? Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. My wife watched it. And but so, no, I haven't it. basic without going into the whole setup, these women uh, who are, were code breakers during the war end up getting involved in solving crimes and looking for patterns, you know, say with serial killers. But you have to do it all with paper files. You have to find the actual, you know, uh, record of that somewhere or you have to go and find the newspaper in the back of the archives at the newspaper shop. And, you know, there's no sitting down, as they do on most shows, and whipping onto the internet, you know. And you have to go and talk to people about everything. And sometimes you can't get things because there is no photo or there was... And so I I always think when... you know, as someone who watches horror movies, you know, you look back on the, you know, things like the 70s and 80s and early 90s, you know, half those horror movies wouldn't have a plot if people had mobile phones. <laughs> Nowadays, we have mm-hmm. to go the, oh, mysteriously, there is no cell phone coverage. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. But I think it's interesting yes. to think about those things. And, you know, and often we see on crime procedurals these days on television, they go to the other extent where everything is solved at the press of a button. You know, it's like, where's the mm. investigation or the fun in that? That you just go, oh, my magic uh, VR screen here. I just plug this in. I can hack any website immediately and suck the information out. 
Right. And then, oh, we were wrong all the time. And surprise, it's this <laughs> thing. And you're like, well, that was a long way. It was a long road to hoe just to find out yeah. you know, <laughs> you're in the wrong, you're in the wrong row. Um, I agree. I think there's some really unique and great and fun casting in here. Brad Garrett is cast oh, as an FBI yes. agent. I mean, that's great. What he's playing like a serious role, not some goofy, dumb schmuck. He's playing like an FBI agent, and that's what you get. I think in 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 the casting here yeah. is that you get people playing well, and and honestly, with the you know, if you've got any acting chops. Um, which everyone here has, the writing is such that mm. it's just giving you so much to work with. Uh, oh, and yeah. and directors, like really super talented <gasps> directors coming in, the best in the business. Nick Offerman is yep. in it. Kieran Culkin yes. is in it. And Cusack. Michael Hogan, which in my opinion I hope changes, is totally wasted, and I hope they get Michael Hogan some more lines. Um, Adam Arkin is in it. Um, yeah. Yeah, some really fantastic people uh, and fun and, and great. And yeah, I, I like this show. It's it's neat. It's a neato show. Now, again, though, and I'm not, not sure if I'm, maybe I am saying this as a warning. It's a slow burn. And by that, I suppose we mean this is not car chase a minute. This is not things happening, you know, uh, instantly. People have long conversations, you know. People think about things. There, there are long shots. There, are, time is taken here, um, all for the better because it sets up place. You know, place as it did in the movie and in the first season plays a huge thing here. Not just in oh, it looks pretty, but it influences. You know, the environment they're in, being in a small town, being in winter, all those things come into play in various ways. Uh, and that's portrayed in the visuals, the isolation and, and everything like that. Um, but this is a show that does take its time and it does, you know, l let the characters speak and grow and breathe within what it's doing and um, all, for, all for the better of it. But if you're wanting a, you know, a, a fast-paced, plot-driven show, this is, this is not for you. Yes. And, uh, yeah... I mean, you could go watch Scorpion if you want that. Well, you could go watch Scorpion if you hate life. Yeah, if you're like a dumb person who likes you, doing dumb stuff. Yeah, probably like eats your own poo or something. Probably, or even other people's. Sorry, that was a bit extreme. I don't. My hate for Scorpion came out there. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's warranted. I'll allow it, counselor. But really, this is. Um, when I, you know, often when people say slow, it's a slow burn or something like it's it's um, a weasel word for oh, it's it's sort of really it's nothing much happens or it's <laughs> yeah. boring or whatever. This that's is not, not the that's no. not the case here, but it is differently paced than an hour long, a normal hour long drama. Uh, whether that's episodic or serialized, you know, I think back to some of the serialized shows I watched, like Lost or something. You know, shitloads happened in that. Whereas this is a different pace, and I think you just have to, um, <clears throat> you know, you have to change gears when you're watching this. Otherwise, your expectations will be making you think, oh, you know, quick, why haven't they, you know, moved on to five more characters? Why are we spending, you know, why have we spent three minutes with this couple having dinner? Mm -hmm. Like, what's, you know, so. Uh, that, that's what I'm trying to moderate people, not moderate, but make you be aware of your own expectations because 
you know, I want you to watch this. I want you to see wonderful writing and wonderful storytelling and amazing acting. You deserve it. <laughs> yeah, everyone out there, watch good television. Treat yourself. Treat yourself because this is really, really good. And again, you can come in, watch season two without having seen anything. You don't have to have seen the movie Fargo. You don't have to have seen season one. I haven't seen the movie Fargo. I don't think I've seen the whole movie. That's just wrong. Um, but you don't need to have done any of that to watch season two. That's it's really except for the fact that there's a character car- one character carryover. That was in the future. This is in the past. There are payoffs, of course, if you've watched the first season. But um, dive into this. I can't imagine if you if you enjoy the second season, you will be you will get such a delight when this is finished to go back and watch season one because then you'll see what happens, you know, to these characters in the future. Yes, and then you'll get that to will be also great. Watch, um, you'll also get to watch Melvoy. Yes, he was great. Yes. You know, really, really good. So, um, watch Fargo. Uh, particularly for those of you who may have been burnt by De- De- True Detective Season 2, yeah. as I know many people were, including myself. Mm-hmm. Um, this is shows Better. that you can... Well, you shows you can do an anthology series um, brilliantly. And it shows that you can... I know you, that's what anthology means, but it, it, it shows that you can... Have a season two that's totally different, different characters. I know it was an anthology, but different characters, different story, different stuff, but still keep it in that same stylistic universe. And I don't know if that's because it's a Coen Brothers based plot, DNA, like you said. Would it be, uh, look, you know, it will be interesting to see. I mean, it's interesting that that was in the first season that's why everyone was so surprised it's like oh this isn't a remake of Fargo but it is so related in in style and tone and quality and everything that it fits in that so is season two um I think that's one of the things that disappointed people with True Detective there were many other things but partly it was so it didn't feel connected in any way um now Probably the longest running at the moment uh, anthology series on TV is the American Horror Story series by Ryan Murphy. Now, say what you will about that in terms of whether you like it or not, but, you know, again, it has the same style and, you know, you know it's from the same series, even though each story each year is different. Mm -hmm. Uh, They do some of the connection by having the same actors Many of the same actors carry over, um, although I know Jessica, Jessica Lang isn't in the season for the first time. But um, that draw, you know, that's part of what draws people into watching the next season, even though it's new characters and a new story. And I think with True Detective, people, even though they weren't expecting that it would be you know, same characters or anything, were seeking something that tasted similar. Mm-hmm. This is a bit like you know, but it was a bit like going from having you know, gumbo to having gelati or something. They were so unrelated. Whereas Fargo, you know, it's part of the same dinner. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going into the food metaphors, aren't I? I must you be must be hungry. hungry. Must be hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, so two very different shows on very different broadcast platforms. Yes, uh, but both totally worth watching, and uh, you'll you'll definitely come away with different things. <laughs> 
<laughs> you will. But it, look, you know, again, I will, I'll, you know, it's a wonderful time to be in when you can have someone like Alan Tudyk make a web series uh, crowdfunded and have it on, on something like Vimeo where you can be inspired by a movie like Fargo made by, you know, the brilliant Coen brothers and make a TV series about, it, you know, based mm-hmm. on it. Um, there's some very talented people out there and you should watch the shows that they make. Why not? Help them out. Support the filmmakers. Support interesting television. <laughs> yes, um, I don't know what we're going to review next time, but I'm sure it will be fascinating. We have promised to do a bit of a, a review over the network pilot season, so we might uh, we might tie that in. Can we talk about doing what... Romeo, the Romeo oh, section? Oh, the, Ro- the Romeo section, a uh, CBC Canadian uh, series by one of our favourite showrunners, Chris Haddock. Mm-hmm. Um, we might have to remind people about the wonder of intelligence and Da Vinci... Uh, I was going to mm-hmm. say Da Vinci Code... Wasn't no, Da Vinci's Inquest. Inquest. Um, not Da Vinci Code at all. Oh, uh, that's Tom so, Hanks again. Tom Hanks, <laughs> you know, who star, who's the father of Colin Hanks, who started the first season of Fargo. You win this round, Ryan, of TV Chinwag <laughs> Film Trivia! Or, yeah, or, or Six Tom Degrees Hanks, of Tom Hanks. Who was in the same movie this year as Jesse Plemons. Exactly. Jesse. This Bridge Spies movie. And Jesse Plemons, who looks like the boy next door, but keeps ending up in roles where he murders people. He murders a lot of peeps. <laughs> uh, that's been it for TV Chinwag. Please uh, hit us up on Twitter if you've got something you're watching that you think we should talk about, because there's so much TV out there. Uh, we're trying to help you find the good stuff, and you can help us as well. Or even if you know of something that's so hilariously bad that uh, we can get Ryan on a scorpion uh, level rant about its terribleness. That's not even funny. No, I know. Oh no, I'm sorry. It's like talking about child rape. No. Bye, everyone. Bye. No, it's not. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please consider giving us a review on iTunes. Send mail to fans at tvchinwag.com or follow on Twitter at tvchinwag. Music for this podcast provided by YouTube Music. For Ryan, Jules, and myself, thanks for listening to TV Chinwag.